0: Thank you, Lord. I was reminded uh, as I was praying this morning for today's word, I was reminded how at 15 years old I went to a church service. I asked my mom. I heard about it. I was too young to drive, so I told my mom to drive me there. And I got dropped off by myself, and I went into this church service, and I cannot remember one word this man said, but all I know is something from his spirit, touched my spirit, and I knew that from that day, I wanted to be changed and had many obstacles and many valleys and mountaintops like we all do since then, but at that moment, something began with the Lord, something special, uh, a true life with Him, and I was just reminded of that in prayer today, and I know this, that it's not, it is not a fleshly thing, it is not a human thing, to know the Lord, but it is a spirit thing. It is a Holy Spirit thing, and it's the Holy Spirit touching our spirits. That is it. We can try to do it in our intellect, and we're just going to get all weird and mess it up, but that the Holy Spirit is looking and calling us, and and that's what it was. I had the foundation. I actually, I knew the word frontwards and backwards, as a, as a child could, that is. You know, I didn't know maybe every detail of every name in the Bible, but I knew the whole story frontwards and backwards because I was born and raised in it. But something moved from my head to my heart that day, and the Holy Spirit got a hold of me. So I just want to get into his word today. I believe that the Lord has a word for us, and last week I was talking about the timing of the Lord and being called by the Lord, and 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 that we must walk in Uh, the timing and in the place and in the person that we are. God's calling us to be the people that he's calling us to be and you know you don't even know why you are who you are. You don't know where you know you came from and how you got here sometimes but we looked at Esther and we saw how the Lord is much more in control of our story than we realize and that he's actually taking us and moving us and placing us much more than we give God credit for. Amen. And Psalm thirty-one, fifteen says, My times are in your hand. Galatians chapter 4 says, in verse 4, and actually in verse 3 talks about us being children and slaves to this world, but verse 4 of Galatians says, Galatians 4, 4, but at just the right time, the new King James says, in the fullness of time, God sent his son. Romans chapter 5, verse 6 says, when we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. The word is clear that God is in control of our lives, and yet we have free will in between. We're making decisions to go left. God's plan was for us to go right. God's plan was for us to go right. We go left. But God is in control, and he is watching over the whole thing, isn't he? He already knew you were going to make the left when you should have made the right, so he, he's over there waiting for you to get you back. Amen? There's an old saying, two lefts make a right, right? Is it two, three lefts make a right? Help me get it right. Oh, pun intended. <laughs> right? to less. And, and the Lord is able to direct us. He is able to get us back on track. Do you know that there is no such thing as too far off track? There's no such thing with God as too far gone. I remember this uh, understanding as a child. I remember being taught that, that God could save anyone, so your mind would go to the worst people you could think of and be like, can God really save them? And the answer is yes. The answer is that God met the son of Sam. You remember him? 1970s, right? Killed six people, murdered brutally, and uh, the Lord met him in prison, and the man got saved. So there is no such thing as too far gone. There is no too broken. There's no too messed up. In fact, the Lord just spoke to me during worship that uh, if you're in a mess, then the Lord's creating a message. I want you to get that. If you feel like your life is a mess, then the Lord's building a message, right? He takes your test, and he creates a testimony. He takes your breaking, and he creates breakthrough. So God does not make mistakes. I want you to say that out loud with me. God doesn't make mistakes. Some people think that God messed up in their story. I just want to read a little paragraph here that I wrote. Uh, Some people think that God has allowed things to happen that he shouldn't have, or that God has lost track of them in their problems and that they are left to fend for themselves. Some people even think that they themselves are a mistake. But I want you to hear today that God does not make mistakes. You are not a mistake, and your story is not a mistake. Your past put you in the place you are in today i want you to say that out loud my past is the reason i'm sitting here today no matter what you like or you don't like it all pointed you to be right here today to hear the word of the lord that's amazing that's beyond our our thinking we can't even understand that or fathom that the steps you took to get here may have wandered out of the will of god But God knew before you made the right and wrong turns where you would be today, and he planned to meet you here and now. In fact, I was thinking in the New Testament, we have a couple of instances where Jesus surprises people. Don't you love that? Jesus, the first instance was this man, Nathaniel, I was thinking about. And the Bible says in John chapter 1, that Philip, he goes to look for Nathanael. He says, I found the Messiah. I want you to come and see him. And the Bible says in John 1 that when he comes and he meets with Jesus, he says to him, he says, now here is a genuine son of Israel. And and Nathanael, he says to Jesus, how do you know who I am? And Jesus says, I could see you under the fig tree before, everybody say before, before Philip found you. My Bible says that before Philip even got to Nathaniel and found him, the Lord already saw him. See, the Lord sees things differently, doesn't he? That's what that song says. Give me the faith tomorrow, today. I know I'm paraphrasing it, but I need tomorrow's victory, you know, the way I'm going to feel when God gives me the breakthrough and the victory, that's how I want to feel right now because that's the way the Lord sees it. The Lord saw Philip is already there with him. and he, I'm sorry, he saw Nathaniel there with him. Philip was there too. But the Bible says that he's confused. He's thinking, well, I just got here, but Jesus saw it before time. There's a second story I was thinking about is this man, Zacchaeus. Who knows Zacchaeus, right? There's Zacchaeus. Now he was short, the Bible says, so the only way that he could see Jesus is he climbs a tree, right? And so he gets into a tree, and as Jesus is walking by, he knew, he said he could see where Jesus is heading this direction, so he gets ahead of Jesus and gets into a tree. But see, he thinks that he got ahead of Jesus so Jesus could meet him, but Jesus says to him, he comes and he looks up at him in the tree, and he says, uh, he says, come on down because I must be a guest in your home today. So the Lord had already planned to be in his house before he thought he could get ahead of Jesus, amen. Isn't that amazing? So the the thing I want us to get is this, that God is so filled with grace and mercy. He loves us so much and unconditionally. And he gives us grace. And even though uh, we have grace and he has a plan, uh, it doesn't mean that we can't go beyond the borders of his plan, all right? His plan for us is not automatic. I want you to get this. His grace comes without you trying or deserving it. You know, you can't do anything to obtain it. But we can wander outside of his plan, right? We've, I don't think we need to be taught that. We're all very aware of that, right? But his grace came before we even said yes to him, and it covers us in this time until we get back on track. Who's thankful that the that the Lord gives us grace when we are like you know saying things like "You don't exist, Lord. Where are you? You have failed me." Right? Maybe some people even pointing their finger at God. The Lord gives us grace during those times, and who's thankful that He does? Imagine the Lord struck us down with lightning every time we pointed our finger at Him. You know He's powerful enough to do that. We don't. We don't. Uh, like the story, but remember when David's decided to bring the Ark of the Covenant back into Israel, right, they carried it the wrong way, and it starts to move, right, the guy reaches out and he touches the Ark, and he's, and he's struck by the power of God, and, he's, and he dies, and all he did was really just touch the things of God in the wrong way, that's the picture. So when we point our finger at God, God has more than enough justification to strike us down with lightning, but he doesn't. He gives us grace and grace and grace and grace and so much more grace, more grace than we can even fathom and understand. It's just beyond us calling us back into his kingdom, amen, right? Always calling us back, always willing us back, and he's like, man, they went left, and I need them to go right. They're going right. I need them to go left, and the Lord's like... I'm going to catch them. It's just a matter of time, and I'm going to catch up with this person. They think that they're on their own, but I'm not leaving them. And it all builds into this into this person that suddenly that you become. And we look and we say, man, I made this mistake, and I did this wrong, and I did that wrong, and I, my thinking was wrong here, my thinking was wrong there. And the Lord sees us so differently than we do. He looks at us, and, and he says, I'm not saying I approve of all those things that you did or you thought, but all those things laid a foundation to the person that you are here today. It took your breaking, like the song says, to get your breakthrough. You had to be broken so that you could finally understand what my grace and my love is. See, a lot of times when someone comes to the Lord, they may not quite understand really what has transpired here getting saved. And sometimes a person, even post-salvation, has to go through things that some people went through pre-salvation. Amen. Who can testify? Right? You were already saved, and now you're going through things like you're an unbeliever. It's not the Lord being mean to you or trying to hurt you. It's that process of you really coming to the place of realizing that, wow, the Lord loves me so much, it's only through his grace, it's only by his strength. It's, if your pride wasn't broken before salvation, the Lord knows how to break it post-salvation. And what happens is when our pride breaks, what happens? See, the humble will see the Lord, the humble of a special relationship with the Lord. You get into that place of humility, and I'm telling you, theres I've said it this way, humility is like kryptonite. Humility, like, like just as kryptonite is the only thing that could stop Superman, I'm telling you if there's one thing that pierces the Lord's heart, if there's one thing that God cannot resist, it is humility. When you get to that place of humility and he allows things to get us to that place, he allows you to go through things that we don't agree with or we don't like, but he allows it for the purpose of getting us to this place where we say, Lord, your God, I recognize your God. And when that happens, then there's no going back. No one can take your testimony from you, right? Who has testimonies that no one's going to take them from you ever? You don't like what it took to get there. No one likes the test, but everybody loves the testimony, right? And and so the thing is, you can't have the testimony without the test. That's the reality. I wish it were different I wish you didn't need the test to get to the testimony but who's thankful and you look and you say you know I would I would change so many things in my story if I could but I'm thankful for the place that you got me to today and I can't change it so Lord thank you that you use this 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 and that to change the way I think the way I look at you the way I understand life understand love etc amen So I want us to see today that God, uh, even though His grace is infinite, that we can mess things up, but God is not unaware, and God is not blind to it, and God has a plan already in advance to redeem you from it. And I just love that about my God and about my Word. We've just been reading through Kings as a church And what you can see is that one king is good, one king is evil, right? One king is good, two kings are evil. One king is good, the next are evil and evil and evil and evil. And finally, there's another good king. And the difference is not that God had a better plan for one king versus another. Each and every one of them had the same opportunity to serve God and for God to be God over their nations, their nation of Israel and Judah. But... They made the choice to follow their own ways or, you know, what seemed right or what the culture want versus God. And uh, the ones that chose to crush the idols, to break down the false worship and to worship God, you can see how the Lord moved the nation in a good direction versus the other ones. We see, you know, right, they bring in rebellion, they bring in sin, and the nation suffers. Wars come, crises come, etc. Uh, but I was reading this, and I thought this was so amazing. It says in 1 Samuel 13, 13, when the Lord was dealing with Saul, and the the thing about Saul versus David is that Saul did things in human strength. Everybody say human strength. Where David did things in an attempt at least an attempt and he has a messy story too don't think that david doesn't have a messy story as well but his attempt was to follow the heart of god he was a repentant man and he wanted to truly please god and this is what it says he says in first samuel thirteen thirteen, god speaks through samuel he says how foolish you have not kept the command of the lord your god And had you kept it, the Lord would have. Everybody say would have. He would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. Now, I think that this is so amazing because the Bible says that Saul, see, some people will just uh, say, well, David was always meant to be king, so Saul had to fall, and that's just not true. That's not what my Bible says. My Bible says that the Lord loves David, and Jesus comes from David. We're going to talk a little bit about the lineage of Jesus today. But Saul was given an opportunity to follow God, and God said, I would have established your kingdom forever. Now, does God, is God a liar? Anybody want to testify? No, he's not. And so I believe the word when it says it, which means that we all have an opportunity uh, for us to have this plan and purpose in God, and to uh, for God to use us in amazing ways. I mean, in this case, to literally run the kingdom of Israel, to be king over over Israel. Um, but it requires us to do it God's way, and yet, even in our wandering. God gives Saul 30 years. He gives him so much time because there's so much grace. He sees him here. He sees him here. I mean, Saul's doing these atrocities, and I'm just reading the story like, come on, bring David in already. Put David in power. You already said he's going to be the king, and yet he allows Saul to continue living. That's because of God's grace. Amen. But the Bible says that... Uh, he would have, which means he wants to establish a, uh, a plan and purpose for all of us. Every single one of us has an opportunity for God to uh, establish his plan in our lives. Anybody getting that today? Amen. So the Bible says, I want you to look with me in the book of Genesis. We're going to look at one of the most famous characters of the whole Bible for the next few minutes. Uh, we're going to look at Abraham. And the Bible, let's just go right into it here. Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. The Bible says, The Lord had said to Abram, Leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. Now, who, who has read this verse many, many times in your walk as a believer, right? We know this story. And we know this line, and we know what's going to happen next. The Bible says that the, the, the Lord counted Abraham as righteous because of his faith, because he believed God. And what happens here is that he makes plans, gets everything together, gets things in order, and he goes. The Bible says, verse 4, Abram departed into the unknown. He, had, he left behind his lineage He left behind all his inheritance, he left behind his name, and he just goes and follows God, as the Lord had instructed, and he was 75 years old when he left Haran. verse 4 says. Verse 5, he took his wife Sarah, we're just going to call her Sarah and call him Abraham today, right, because we all know that's what their name becomes, it's easier to say than Sarai, and uh, so they, they go, and it says, and all his wealth, his livestock, and all the people, he had taken into his household at Haran, and he headed for the land of Canaan. And when they arrived in Canaan, Abram traveled through the land as far as Shechem, and there he set up camp beside the Oak of More, however you say it. And that time, the area was inhabited by Canaanites. So Abram leaves. He packs his things up, he takes his wife, and he gets his brand-new camper, right? And he's like we're going out on the road, we're going to go, we're going to go live in a like the tiny house nation, right? This new move. And we're just going to go we're going to go live out there and we're going to leave everything behind. And the Bible says uh, that the Lord comes to him in verse 7 and he appears and he says to him, "I will give you this land. I will give this land to your descendants. And Abram built an altar there and dedicated to the Lord and appeared to him. And then it says in verse 8, he travels and he sets up camp in the hill country of this same land, which is Bethel. And then he dedicates another altar to the Lord. And then he continued, verse 9, traveling south by stages toward the Negev. Now, so far in the story, Abram is... In complete faith everybody say abram is in faith he packs up he follows god he's going around the country the lord's showing him he's setting up altars and he's worshiping god okay lord i'm going to follow you i'm out here in this wilderness i don't know what that means yet but i believe you you're going to give me this land i'm going to have descendants apparently i'm 75 by the way just in case you didn't realize so i don't know when you're going to start that process But, uh, okay, Lord, I believe you. Now, this is why I love this story so much. Verse 10, at that time. Everybody say, at that time. Wow, this is very interesting. At that time, a severe famine struck the land of Canaan. Yep, that's the next verse. Just wanted to double-check because I thought that God just said to him in verse 7, I'm going to give you this land, and you just did what I told you to do. You left. You came here to Canaan like I told you to. And here we are, almost immediately, it appears, forcing Abraham to leave. It says to go down, but let's really read this for what it says. At that time, a severe famine struck the land of Canaan, forcing Abram to leave the land God just led him to and go to Egypt, living as a foreigner. Wow. Sometimes in your story, you follow God, you say, okay, God, I'm going to trust you, I'm going to follow you, and it seems like almost immediately, something pushes you out of what you thought was the perfect plan of God, now you're off somewhere, now you're really out there, right? You're already willing to follow God, you already said, okay, I'll look like a fool for you, I'll be a Jesus freak. I want, you know, that's okay. I know that my family and my friends are going to not understand what's happening in my life. And so you do that, and that's okay. We we can all come to terms with that. We come to terms with that at the altar, and we say, okay, Lord, yes, come into my life. I want to get saved. I want to know you. And then meanwhile, all of a sudden, we're willing to do that already, but then we get sideswiped into this very foreign territory. Who's ever been there? And you don't know what to say or how to interpret it now. You're like, I thought the Lord was going to be with me, and now I don't know what's going on. Well, Abram, Abraham, he does what we all do, which is he tries to figure it out in his own strength. Wow. This is, you know, this is a 4,000, 3,500-year-old story, and it's just as relevant today. Wow. It says as he was approaching the border of Egypt, he says to his wife, hey, listen, by the way, uh, you're a very beautiful woman. Compliment to you, but also, I need you to be aware of something here. That uh, this is not like the land we came from. You know, now we're foreigners here, and uh, when the Egyptians see you, they're gonna say, "This is his wife." Let's kill him, and we'll take her. So tell them you're my sister, and maybe they'll spare my life and treat you well. Good plan, right? Anybody? <laughs> That's a great plan. Sounds like human to me. It sounds like a human plan. And sure enough, Abram arrives in Egypt, and everyone noticed Sarah's beauty, and the palace officials saw her. They take her to Pharaoh, to the king, and and she's actually going to be, she's not just that she's going to be somebody's wife. The Pharaoh himself takes her. And then it says, verse 16. Now, this is very significant. I want you to see something here. Abram trusted God. He put his faith in God. Now, the Bible doesn't say if he should have stayed in faith even during the famine in Canaan. The, Lord, the, the Bible never says that Abraham was wrong in this moment. It just is telling us his story. It doesn't tell us God's opinion, and it doesn't tell us right and wrong. All the Bible says is he led him to Canaan, and then a, a famine struck which forced him to move. So if we just read the verses at face value without trying to interpret what they mean, let's just recount the story, okay? I'm going along, and something moves me over here without my ability to stop it. And now I'm what I'm going to do? I'm like, what are you going to do in that place? Well, you're just going to try to trust God and follow God the best that you think you can. Who's ever been there? And God's not really giving you any clear direction. So what do you try to do? It's not even God condemning you. He's not saying, you stupid fool, you didn't do it my way. It's just kind of a place where it's like, I'm not quite sure yet, but I'm going to try to do it God's way. Who has been there? Amen. Well, so has Abraham. So you are in good company. And the Bible says that verse 16, something special happens. Pharaoh gave Abram many gifts because of her. He gave him sheep and goats and cattle, male and female donkeys, male and female servants, and camels. Verse 17. But the Lord sent terrible plagues upon Pharaoh and his household because Sarah. So now... You know, the Lord allows some circumstances and some things to happen first before he intervenes sometimes. Sometimes we're looking for the plan and purpose of God. God, where are you? He allows a wandering before he moves and intervenes. We could ask all the questions why, as I've been proposing for the last couple of weeks, but instead, why waste our time in the why? If you hang out in the why place, you're just going to be tormented the rest of your life. Instead of being tormented over there, why, 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 why? Instead, I'm going to say, God, where are you? So if we're going to ask a question, not why, but God, where? That's all that matters. God, am I where I'm supposed to be today? If I'm not, my word has made it very clear and very simple that all I need to do is turn to you, that I just call on you and you hear me. My word says that your mercies are new every morning, and you will wash away my past, wash away my insecurities, wash away my failures, and set me anew instantly. Do we really believe his word? So sometimes in the place of wondering and wandering, God allows us to be there, and then he intervenes and he moves. Now, here's why. Even though I said we don't need to ask why, the story tells us something very significant. Verse 18, Pharaoh summons him and he's like, you know, what have you done to me? This is your wife. You said she was your sister. And he orders his men to escort them out of the country. Verse 20, look what it says. Along with his wife and all his possessions. Was it God's plan for him to go and lie to Pharaoh? Probably not. We don't know. maybe God, that was his plan. Doesn't say exactly, but I w- let's just can we just assume? Probably not an attribute of God to go and lie to Pharaoh. But do you know God, when he looks at a heart that wants to do things the right way and wants to follow him, do you know God is able to take your story and your life, And he doesn't see it as mistakes. If you have the right heart that wants to follow God, God will rearrange and he will move you into the place that you're supposed to be. And what you would look at is, as all this failure and loss and all this mistakes, the Lord blesses you on the way out. The Bible says that he lies. They take his wife. Pharaoh pays him for the wife. And guess who gets to keep the spoil? They leave the country with maybe some of the things they need to go back to Canaan and survive. Who has ever been in a place with God where you got into the wrong place, but somehow, even though God moves you back into the right place, as I've been saying this morning so far, that the wrong step is a foundation to the right step. That you needed to make a wrong move first because it helped you realize the right move. Who's ever been there? They have an old saying, a body in motion, right? It's easier to steer a ship that's already in motion. There's all kinds of sayings, but we'll just use that one. In other words, sometimes we're sitting on the shore and saying, God, use me. God, move me. God, do what you want in my life. And the Lord's like, just put up the sails, and at first, the wind's going to start moving you around in directions, going to feel a little bit wandering, feels like it's not quite what you expected, but you get those sails up, you put your hands to the wheel, and you know who controls the wind? The Lord does. Suddenly, you say, Lord, I want to follow you, and you know what happens? The Lord begins to move the wind in the right direction. You're going to make mistakes along the way. You're going to do things that aren't godly. Wow. Wow. Thank God that we have grace in between. Thank God we have Christ in between. Amen. Isn't it funny that we know that it's his grace, and yet we get so stuck in all the in-between trying to figure out all the imperfections. And God is saying, I'm fully aware, and I'm working on them. You don't need to try to work them out. Let me work them out. We try to get ahead of God. We try to figure it out. We try to make the plan of God. We try to do it. Man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get into this more even into next week because Abraham's story has a whole bunch of this. But let's just go right into this for the next few minutes. I want you to see something here. He's back in Canaan. We got Ishmael in between. I don't know if we're going to get to that today. But here we are in chapter 20, all right? So that was in Genesis chapter 12. Now in chapter 20... Uh, we're roughly twenty or so. We're about twenty something years uh, late. Actually, we're about twenty-five years later. And you would think that Abraham, he's learned his lesson. I'm never doing that again, right? Everybody wants to say, "I'm never going to do that again." Man, I learned learned once, right? Fool me once, but fool me twice, shame on me, right? So he says. Uh, He says to Abimelech chapter 20, Genesis chapter 20, verse 1. The Bible says that Abraham moved south to the Negev, and he lived for a while between Kadesh and Shur, and then he moved on to Gerar. So he's moving around. Obviously, back then you would move where your animals had good food, where there was water. So, you know, as a nomad, as somebody kind of living off the land, you'd be moving around. So, at this point, he's not quite wandering, like, aimlessly, but he's moving with his his wildlife and moving based on the weather and so on. So, he's living as a foreigner in this foreign land. But Abraham, he introduces his wife, Sarah, by saying, she is my sister. So, King Abimelech, this is a different king. ...of Gerar, sent for Sarah and had her brought to him at his palace. What? Abraham. Whoa, man. My Bible says Abraham is the father of our faith. (laughs) It also says God counted him as righteous because he believed God. Don't we love reading that? And then you read his story. See... God declares about him who he really is, but if you read all the details, we might nitpick a little and say, God, I don't quite think you read Abraham's story. Maybe you should have a little disclosure. Abraham's the father of our faith, and he was counted righteous, but he made a lot of mistakes along the way. God doesn't say that because God, now I'm going to be very careful here, it's not that God doesn't care, but he doesn't care. He cares along the way because it affects us. It affects what's going on around us. But in the grand scheme of things, when he weighs your life on the scale that's outside of time and this earth, what he looks at is a person who has finished the race. He looks at somebody Not by the mistakes that they've made, but by the right choices that they've made. Wow. God takes, if you will make the right choice, he takes the mistakes and he washes them away. He takes past and he washes it away. What he looks at is the person that says, I want to follow you today. Come on, we have this amazing story. The Lord even gives us a parable Who knows the parable where the guys are working in the field? They're in the hot sun all day. The Lord says, I'm going to pay you this much money. And all of a sudden, these guys, these little sneaks, because this is humanity. Jesus gives us a picture of exactly what we think. When we look at a life, it seems like they just get away with living for the world, and then suddenly they slip in, and then God's like, you're righteous, and you're righteous, and you're going, no, they're not. Abraham's not righteous. I'm righteous, but he's not. I'm righteous, but they're not. I'm doing it God's way, but they're not. The Bible says at five o'clock, these guys come in. The Lord says, you want to work in my field today? They say, sure. He says, okay. So they work for an hour and God pays them all the same. Because the Bible says he looks at your life and he judges your life based on the choice you made to do What's right, not when you made that choice. Aren't you so thankful? He looks at the choice you made, not when you made it. Wow. That's just amazing to me. So here we are Genesis 20. Abraham tells Abimelech, She's my sister. It says in verse 3 that God comes to Abimelech and he's like, You're a dead man. See, God has a way, though. Of sorting it out. Why? Why does God do this? It's His grace. It's also Him preserving. This is the second time that Satan, you have to realize what's actually happening here. When God said, I'm gonna bring a deliverer through you, I'm gonna make a nation through you, don't you think that Satan was listening as well? This is the second time that Satan's trying to take a foreigner, literally the epitome of the world, you know, this is like Philistine country, Abimelech, and Pharaoh was, you know, their, their, literally their serpent, is, you know, their symbol is the serpent on their head, right? Satan's trying to take and mix the seed, trying to steal Isaac from Abraham and Sarah. And so because God has a plan and a purpose, and because Abraham has the right heart, it says that night God came and says, you're a dead man. That man's already married. But it says Abimelech had not supped with her, so he said, Lord, are you going to destroy an innocent man? Abraham told me, verse 4, verse 5, she's my sister. Then Abimelech, verse 9, called for Abraham. What have you done to us, he demanded. In verse 11, Abraham replied, I thought. This is a, what does it say? I thought. So Abraham Is using logic, right? He's using his intellect instead of saying, Lord, this is a sticky situation. What do you want me to do? Lord, what is your plan? What is your purpose? The Bible says, he said, I thought. So I decided. I went through my brain instead of God's brain, and I said, you know what? This is good to me. This sounds like a good plan. This is going to work. God's plan is is uh is over here and 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 abraham's plans over here but god's watching it all and god's going to work it out because he loves abraham he has a plan for him and he god is not uh unable to fix even the messiest situation and he said uh he said i thought this is a godless place they're gonna want my wife and kill me to get her in verse 12 and Who knows the word quibbling? I was raised with the word quibbling. Anybody know that word? All right, I'll give you the definition. To quibble means to tell the truth, but to kind of dance around. Like, it's a part truth, it's a part lie. My parents used to always say you're quibbling because I would say, I wasn't outside, I was just on the deck. You know, something like that. That's quibbling. Don't go outside. I wasn't. I didn't leave the deck. So I decide, So basically, you know, my perception, their reality of truth and my perception of that, we're kind of in some sort of a mixture here, and I think I'm right, but I'm really not. All right? So he's like, oh, but she is my sister, technically, because we both have the same father, right? Because that's how it was back then. A little weird today. But they were technically brother and sister and also married. So it says... Verse 13, when God called me to leave my father's home and to travel from place to place, I told her, do me a favor wherever we go, uh, tell the people that I am your brother. Verse 14. I just can't believe this. When I read this, I'm just amazed at God and his plan and his story. See, the Bible says, then Abimelech took some of his sheep and goats, cattle, and male and female servants, and he presented them to Abraham. He also returned his wife, Sarah, to him. Then Abimelech said, look over my land and choose any place where you would like to live. And he said to Sarah, look, I am giving your brother 1,000 pieces of silver in the presence of all these witnesses. This is to compensate for any wrong I may have done to you, and this will settle any claim against me, and your reputation is cleared. Wow. My Bible says Abraham may have veered from the plan of God, and God blesses him anyway. Anybody reading the same word that I am? In fact, here he is now trying to find his place in this, in this just like us, where the Bible calls us sojourners, right? Wanderers. We're called aliens. Who knows that? That's what the Bible calls us. Because it's not really our home. We don't fit here. We're on the earth. We're in the world, but we're not of the world. So we kind of feel like we don't have a place sometimes, and we're just wandering about. Who feels like this sometimes? Anybody ever feel like, God, I just want some stability. I just want you to, like, anchor me down, and I just want to know that this is who I am, and this is where I'm supposed to be, and this is supposed to what I'm supposed to do. And I don't feel like that right now. We've all been there. And the Bible says that God was establishing Abraham and giving him a place, and he was giving him a tour of the land, basically, and he's making mistakes along the way, but God blesses him anyway. Wow. You know, I was doing a little research, and I was thinking about this. Uh, Abraham, he's called out. He's obedient. He went. There's a drought. He ends up in Egypt. Right, Pharaoh, just a little review here, Pharaoh takes Sarah, uh, God intervenes, and but in all that craziness, uh, and same thing with Abimelech, God blesses them, gives them what they need, and gets them back on track. God intervenes in their situation, and where they were off track, puts them back on track. And it doesn't mean that he approves of all the deception, and the lying, and getting into our own way, but that he had a heart that wanted to follow God, he left everything to follow him, and God was willing to work with a human. You need to understand something here. You are a human being. The worst thing to do is to sulk and to stay in that place. I'm here, and I don't know what's going on, and to not look up and call upon him all we need to do is call upon the Lord, and he instantly will reshape and move and place us, and he's already doing it beyond us more than we realize anyway. But I did this research, and I was just looking at the lineage of Jesus. Who's ever looked at the lineage of Jesus? And maybe you've heard this before. The Bible says in, the, in Matthew, he, Matthew goes and he gives us a little bit different lineage than Luke. Luke. And within Matthew's lineage is Ruth. Who knows Ruth? Anybody remember Ruth? She's the grandmother of David, right? She's the Moabite. You know what a Moabite is? Anybody remember your Bible history? Well, oh, Ruth, she can trace her roots back to, remember when her great-great-great-great-grandmothers went and slept with their father, got him drunk and slept with him? Oh, that's a great lineage to remember. Right there in Matthew. I was reading that, in the Middle Eastern culture, when you talked about your lineage, you never mentioned women. So this was actually already odd that Matthew writes women's name, the, the women's name down. And more than one. That's not the only one. He also includes Bathsheba in there. He also includes Tamar. Now, Tamar, she uh, pretended to be a prostitute, Judah comes and sleeps with her, who happens to be his daughter-in-law. And that's there in the lineage of Jesus. It also includes Rahab, who was not only a prostitute, but probably ran a whole brothel. Oddly, Matthew, when he gives us the lineage of Jesus, he mentions these women, but he does not mention Females that we would think he might mention if he's going to mention females like Sarah, the mother of Isaac, and Rebekah, the mother of Jacob. Why are these names included? What is he showing us? Even Jesus, the Son of God, can come out of a broken situation. Even Jesus can take the worst of the worst, the low, the messed up, the wandering, the frustrated, etc., And I think it's on purpose, right? (laughs) Not I think, I know. It is on purpose that Jesus came from that lineage. Who's thankful that Jesus doesn't pick perfect people? Because none of us would be here. Thank God that Jesus works with the imperfect. Thank God that he gives us grace and he's constantly moving in us to do the right things. But when we do wrong, thank God he doesn't strike us with lightning. Thank God that he gives us grace. We make the mistake. We're in a situation again that we thought we got through before. How did I get here again? And yet the Lord says, I still have grace for you. In fact, I'm not going to just give you grace. I'm even going to bless you because I don't judge you by the mistakes you're making. I judge you by the right choices that you make. Isn't that amazing? The Lord looked at those people, every single one of them in the lineage of Jesus, including all the way back to Abraham, and the Lord blesses them because of what they're going to do, not because of what they did. He looks ahead to a life and sees the right choices they're going to make and blesses them. Amen. Hopefully you're encouraged today. I just wanted to encourage you and lift you up. And just I had this word in my heart. The Lord, kind of just Brought this word together and to just uh, stop asking the whys and the questioning because we're all just kind of wandering through life in a way and, and we're all asking whys when we're all these twists and turns of life. But God is with us. It may appear He's not, but He is. He is in your story, He's a part of it. And he is moving on your behalf. He is working. And he's ahead of you, already setting up a place for you. There's a land for you that has everything you need. You're going to get to this place. And he says, wherever you want to go, whatever you want. And here's my blessing for you, because I love you. Amen. So we just I just want to pray. Thank you, God, for this word. I thank you, Lord Jesus, that you take the broken. Lord God, you take the mistakes. I thank you, Lord. And that's the word. You take the mess, and you're creating a message. You take the mess, and you're creating a message, a message of hope and of life and of peace and of joy and of, hope and of Lord God, this, this love that we have for you. I pray, God, work in our hearts today. Spark in us, Lord God, again, to just look up and see that you are moving and working and doing, even amidst. Lord, the unknown, even sometimes the chaotic, even, Lord, the places where we know we've wandered. I pray, God, that you are kind and a compassionate and merciful God. I pray that you give us mercy today, give us grace, and, Lord, put us back on track supernaturally. In Jesus' name, amen.